Welcome to another episode of the Peak Performance Selling Podcast, where we interview top sellers and sales leaders to learn the different tips, tricks, and mental strategies that they use to create sustainable peak performance. Let's get rolling. Welcome to today's episode of the Peak Performance Selling Podcast. Today, we have an awesome guest joining us, Tim Clark, who has the motto of live life, give back, change lives. He's committed to always over-delivering, constantly learning, creating change, and making an impact. He's passionate about giving back through volunteering and fundraising and partnering with some impactful nonprofits. Tim created Uncrushed.org as a result of his firsthand experience with mental health conditions, including addiction, depression, and grief following the sudden loss of his dad in 2013. He felt passionately about creating a platform and community for people to share their experiences with mental health, starting to break down the associated stigmas in the workplace that so many of us have. And only through talking about these challenges can we really encourage people to help out for what will help them live their best lives. And so for all the listeners, you can already tell why I had to interview Tim, somebody that has actually created an officially 501c3 nonprofit to actually help sales leaders, sellers, and individuals talk about mental health. And what's really cool is he's got a ton of global experience crossing both Europe and the USA, working for Salesforce, and is currently sitting as their senior director of product marketing. And I just cannot wait to dive in with Tim to really help understand how does he see mental health playing out in the workplace? How does he see individuals really being their best selves? And he's created some really cool initiatives that I can't wait to share with this community. So Tim, welcome on. Thank you. It's, it's interesting how my bio has evolved over the years. It used to be like keynoted here or this much sales performance and, and just very work, work, work. And, you know, when we were talking about bio, uh, I'm just listening to that. Like it's, it's really reminded me of, of what's important to me. You know, what, what is my sense of purpose? And I, I think that's, you know, something that you're, you're drawing out on, on your podcast. Like how do we, how do we go above, above and beyond the, the numbers? It, it's so much more to it as we are humans. And I think through COVID, we've seen mental health come up as such a huge topic that it's helped accelerate for us in a, a painful way, because I think pain really does drive action. And before I get too far into the weeds in this area, can you just talk to us a little bit and help our, our crew understand your journey from sales to now leading product development for salespeople at one of the biggest sales focused companies on the planet? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly fell into sales. Uh, I, I majored in philosophy at the university of London, I had no clue what I wanted to do. Uh, but I, I worked for Vodafone, for Rico, for Salesforce in sales. And, uh, thankfully I was very good at it. And, um, and I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. And, when I made the transition over to marketing in 2014, I still wanted to work with salespeople. Uh, and so I'm grateful that I've, I've got the opportunity to, to market to salespeople and work on sales technology and sales tool leadership initiatives. Uh, but there, there's just something about sales. You know, I have, I have mad respect for everyone in sales. I think it's you know, truly one of the, the most challenging industries or, or, or jobs that are out there, uh, as well as being the most rewarding 
uh, it can also be the most draining, you know, and that that's why when we created Uncrushed in 2018 uh, with, with my co-founders, Lindsay Boggs and Janelle Kronk, uh, we, you know, we want to make it accessible to everyone. However, we also have a, a particular focus on, on sales and, and SaaS and tech industry uh, because it's, it's where people are really, really struggling with their mental health right now, now more than ever. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. And I think one of the things that I've heard from you and others starting to happen much more predominantly through LinkedIn shares, through the really cool stories that people can share on Uncrushed that I want to link to in our show notes, is through COVID, we've seen just more people being willing to share their struggles and share their challenges. And can you talk to us a little bit about how you all leverage Uncrushed to help people share their stories and build awareness and start to to kind of pull off that mask that we show to the world, but isn't necessarily who we truly are on the inside? Yeah, so uh, right at the top of the Uncrushed homepage, we talk about uh, the fact that one in five are struggling with their mental health, and that's particularly uh, in the U.S. And it's interesting, a recent survey that we did, myself, Uncrushed, Richard Harris, and Jeff Risley at Sales Health Alliance, we surveyed 700 salespeople, and it said three in five people, uh, salespeople, are struggling with their mental health. But um, the one in five comes from Mental Health America prior to COVID-19, and nearly 60% of adults with a mental illness don't receive mental health services. So from the point that someone reaches out for help, it's a very established marketplace, you know, whether it's from, uh, there's a whole variety of different modalities, there's treatment programs, uh, both profit, for, uh, for profit, nonprofit. Uh, we're really focused on that first part of the journey, though, before someone reaches out for help. And uh, I'll give you an example. In, in 2017, yeah, 2017, earlier in the year, uh, I had a major cocaine issue and, uh, and drinking issue. And, and actually, they, they were just the solutions, really. It was, I had a big issue with sitting with my emotions. And I couldn't possibly come forward and tell anyone. I remember even speaking to my therapist and finally coming out with those words that I think I have a problem because I was too scared. And so when I went to my first rehab and I heard other stories from other people that had similar problems, I was like, wow, I'm not alone. And I think if I'd read these stories before, I would have been more likely to reach out for help. And that's really the purpose of Uncrushed. And so many other great organizations that are out there that are sharing people's stories or giving people opportunity to share their stories is, is to say, hey, if you, if you read my story and you relate to it, great. If you don't, find someone else's. And it doesn't have to be addiction. It could be we've got people that share about grief and depression and, and sexual abuse and domestic violence. Uh, there's, there's many different stories that are shared on there. And, you know, we don't just focus on the darkness. We focus on the light. How have people found their path through? What works for them? Uh, in the hope that we can build uh, a community for people uh, to connect with each other. Oh, wow. I think there is so much power in community. We, we are tribal as humans. And I think so frequently in sales, we're taught especially with this predominantly male workforce to pound the chest, to just push through it, to continue to crush and not take any time to actually allow ourselves to step back, to 
talk about the things that, that we struggle with. And, and I think this actually ties really nicely into a really cool initiative that, that you started within Salesforce called Soberforce, because sales culture is so focused on drinking, partying, the virtual team buildings that most of us are doing now. I'm seeing people do all still drinking events. Now it's just sitting at home uh, on Zoom with folks that one is not very inclusive, especially for the folks that don't drink or have you know substance or, or addiction issues or challenges, uh, or just want to live a healthier life in general. Talk to us a little bit about what you've created there and how you see that starting to help different individuals. Yeah, and I, I love the way you described uh, crushing it, and that you know that is the reason why we called it crush because what are you told in sales is just to crush it, crush it, crush it, but you're getting crushed yourself, and and carrying the weight of secrets really, really just weighs down on your shoulders. And so how, how do you release that and, and get vulnerable with someone else? Um, I will take zero credit for the creation of Soberforce. Uh, I'm part of the leadership team, but there are some other amazing individuals, uh, Marin, Randy, Chris, uh, and, and some others who, um, they, they each posted on LinkedIn about their sobriety journeys. They were all, they're all Salesforce employees, uh, some for, for longer times than others. And they all posted about their sobriety journeys. And then they started to connect with each other. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. Like we're with the same company. We're willing to be open about our recovery journeys. Uh, maybe we maybe we create a group. And, um, you know, we have, we have various employee resource groups at Salesforce and Infinity Groups as well. And um, really, Soberforce was created as, as a place for employees to connect. And I think the first thing is the word sobriety has some stigma associated with it. You know, the first thought that comes to mind if someone tells me they're sober is, well, what's wrong? You know, what went wrong with you? Uh, and so the first myth to debunk is actually you can be sober for any reason, health reasons, religious reasons. Um, you also don't have to be sober. You could be sober curious. You know, I was on a call yesterday. Uh, we, we, we run monthly and quarterly events for our sober force community. And we had uh, an amazing speaker speaking about gray area drinking, moderation drinking. Um, and, and it's interesting because that doesn't work for me. I've tried it. doesn't work for me, but it does work for some people. And so, you know, sober curious is, is people looking at like, hey, I, I maybe want to make a change to my lifestyle. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, and then we also have allies. You know, people, if we look at the amount of people that are struggling, and I, I put out a post on LinkedIn a few weeks, a few weeks ago about you know, particularly with COVID addiction, uh, or, or let me rephrase that, the use of drinking or drugs has gone up significantly during COVID. Uh, overdose rates have gone up significantly. You may remember pre-pandemic, uh, everything was uh, in the news about the opioid epidemic. Um, the, the, there's so much problems going on here. So what I mean by all this is that you probably, for the listeners here, probably have someone in your life that is struggling, whether you know it or not, someone is struggling. And so like our next call we're doing with Soberforce next week is, is all around allyship. Uh, how, how can you be a, a great ally to someone? And I think the other big lesson as well has been recovery doesn't, you know, just like with the gray area drinking, recovery doesn't have to be 12 step or it doesn't have to be therapy. It, it can be a combination of everything. And so one thing we really, when we talk about inclusion and equality and equality in this group, we focus on the fact that it doesn't matter what your path was to getting you here. 
And it doesn't matter what your path forward is going to be. Like we're trying to be as inclusive as possible. So it doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be marijuana. It could be cocaine. Um, and, and it's interesting because you know, let's, let's look at this from a, from a marketing perspective and PR, you know, if, if Salesforce says like, Hey, we're creating this group, there could be one view of saying, well, they've got an addiction problem in their company, but let's be honest every company has an addiction problem. 12.3% of Americans are struggling with some form of addiction. And so I think this comes back to what are the barriers of a company? And the reality is, is that we're creating a space for people to connect with each other. And a lot of these people, uh, the majority of the people, at least the ones I've told you, are all in recovery. And I'm, I haven't used drugs and drank alcohol in a long time. And, and I, I'm stronger for my experiences and what I've gone through. I'm not, I'm not weak for that. Wow. I mean, one, thank you for the vulnerability of sharing that, because I think that is the first step that's so hard for so many people is we share one view to the outside world of who we are, or this mask that uh, a fun exercise I do with teams is, you know, get a piece of paper and write down on one side, you know, what are the, the emotions or the feelings that you want to communicate to the outside world? And on the other side, what are the ones that you have inside that you don't share, that you don't show people? And I think by one, having the ability to be vulnerable, especially as a leader, all of a sudden opens the doors for people to say, wow, I'm struggling too. And maybe I have somebody that I can work with and, and go to for help. So I, I think that is just such a, a, a beautiful cause to be a part of and to make sure that we give credit to the folks that, that also helped kick this off. Can you give us just a couple examples of what are the types of events that you do run for this, this crew or what do you guys put together that really is more inclusive for some of our sales leaders that may be listening and thinking about, well, how do, how do I make sure I support my team and it's not just that drinking event uh, again and again? What, what are some things that you guys run or ways that you've uh, found to really connect people well? Yeah, I, I remember, I think it was in 2019, uh, we uncrushed around an event in New York City with uh, Splash. And it was so powerful, A, because it was um, led and sponsored by their sales leaders, by their HR leader. And a massive part of that was not me speaking and sharing my experience, but it was actually having employees sharing their experience. And one of the most powerful things that I've, I've seen in in my own role at Salesforce over the last year has been when we do a leadership team meeting, uh, you know, with the leaders on the team, we, we have a closed session with like, what's going on in your life right now. And it's completely optional. You know, you don't have to share anything personal, but it, as soon as someone does, uh, it just opens the floodgates for other people to, to share their vulnerability. And it's similar with, with Soberforce when we run the events there, it's, uh, we have an employee that shares their story, whatever that story is, whether it's allyship, whether it's recovery, whether it's choosing sobriety for health reasons or religious reasons. And it, it just breeds vulnerability for, for other people. And this is why we've got other organizations that are, are reaching out. You know, if, you, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I wish, I wish it was a Salesforce or wish it was in Soberforce, like go create your own Soberforce. You know, it, we're happy to share everything that we're doing with you. And we've got other companies that are reaching out to us and, you know, we, we, we want to help you. Um, 
So when we look at it on a more tactical level, you know, I think some of the concerns I've seen from sales leaders is, well, I can't really have that conversation with my employee, you know, HR, or maybe it's a, there's a HIPAA conversation. There's a lot of misunderstanding around HIPAA, but ultimately, you know, so ultimately it remains down to the individual, what they, what they do and, and don't share. So it's one, one of the tactical tips that I always say is, you know, ask your employees how they are twice. You know, don't just stop at that first time. Really, really understand what's going on. Maybe you don't want to get into detail. You could apply a traffic light system. Like, are you red, amber, green right now? Um, and, and how can I support you? I think another thing a leader can do, and there's some great research with, with Ginger, uh, who Headspace recently purchased, or they've reached an agreement to purchase. And, and I, I'm really excited about that collaboration. Um, but they, they just talk about the impact on uh, employee retention when uh, and, and, and engagement when a leader is, is vulnerable. So that's it on a tactical level. And then when we look at events for sales leaders, uh, you know, so many, so many ideas, even in marketing and, and even with events that we do externally, it's like alcohol, 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 you know, wine tasting, beer tasting, whiskey tasting. The, the, the one thing I didn't say on Soberforce, like we're not trying to be the anti-drinking club. Like if you can drink, cool i just i can't and um and i'm not going to push my my experience on other people thankfully a lot of people can drink normally and, and and that's great however when we talk about inclusivity how do we create an environment like maybe have some non-alcoholic options there's some great uh, mocktails that are available uh, or maybe push the boat out even further and don't do something relating to to beverages you know maybe doing a cooking class a painting class uh, a virtual escape room um, I think so often we just defer to like, how do we connect? Because this is what we're accustomed to is go have a drink because it just, it's just easier. Uh, and, and now recognizing that you may have some people in your team that maybe are struggling, maybe are in recovery, may or may not want to come forwards and talk about that. So if we really want to be a great manager and a great leader and be inclusive, maybe, uh, you know, take, take some advice on, on some of those options I just ran through. I think those are great. And we're seeing so many companies support the virtual events so much better now where uh, I actually just did a, a remote cooking class that was fantastic. I also did a um, like a mystery puzzle where they had like mailed everybody different clues and you had to work as a team to try and pull things together. And I think there are just so many options that don't have to be the default yeah, we have to drink to have a good time. You know, I, I like that drinking allows some people to open up and be vulnerable, but I love that we can do it without it because it's not needed. And I think that leading by example of, yeah, let me tell you my stories. Here's where I'm struggling. You know, I, I went through a, a really tough time uh, the start of this year as I, I lost my dad. And so really being able to be open about that, you know, where I pushed myself too hard trying to keep working because I'm like, hey, I can work remote. It's great. I can sit there and like be sending emails while I'm at the hospital with them. And like that felt good, but I would have felt better to just say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling and I need to take some time. And I waited way too long to do that. And in hindsight, it crushed me. And so I think there are so many different ways that people can start sharing and opening up to really not have to feel like they are two different people inside and outside of work. Yeah, it's interesting, though, that common experience. Uh, and I've, I've got a, a few people involved with Uncrushed who had similar experiences as well about their uh, loved one 
being in the hospital bed and working by the hospital bed or sending out emails. And I remember at the time in, in 2013, you know, I, I was an enterprise AE and I had a BDR and, and SE and you know, the whole team. And I took maybe half a day off uh, and then jumped straight back into it because that, that was my alcohol back then. That was my drug. That was my coping mechanism. Like as long as work is okay, as long as everyone thinks I'm okay, that, that's all I need. And, and I think it's bullshit that in, across the world, like how much time do we get off for grieving? You know, for, for me, it took me eight years to grieve, eight years to find some sort of completion. And, and it's such a personal journey, but you know, you're given a few days off work, like they're there and then they expect you to come back as normal, like it's bullshit. And I, I had a conversation a few years later on after that with, with my SDR at the time. And he told me, he said, Tim, I, I felt really confused because I know that you just lost your dad, but you were acting normal and you didn't acknowledge it. And it just blew my mind because it's like, wow. Yeah. Like that's how much to your analogy earlier on about a mask. That's how much or how strongly I was, I was wearing that mask. Yeah. I, I, I could probably talk to you for quite a while about that topic it is it's something for me that, I preach and I practice meditation and all these things. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why I'm I'm having an easier time going through this. And I can show up to work. And then it was like out of nowhere, it was like, oh, yep, he, he passed away. And then I was like, okay, like I, I was in the process. I'd finally said, like, hey, can I get some, you know, uh, short-term leave here? And was like, holy shit, I just wasted so much time because I was in in the room, like having a couple meetings and then I'd pop out and see if he needed something. And it was like, I'm so grateful that I could be remote, that I could be there, but I really didn't give myself the time to be fully with it because I was like, Oh, I want to work. I want to make president's club. I want to do all these things that, man, it's just uh life is fleeting. And there's so much that's so much more important that I'm still working on processing it seven months later and will be for quite some time, I'm sure. But it was fascinating to me to see how I sold myself short to really be able to show up fully uh, in that time by thinking I was doing the right thing by continuing to crush, continuing to push it. Um, and, you know, it's a regret, but it is life. And that's how we learn and grow and is something that I'm still working on to this day. But I, I really appreciate your story there. Yeah, I, again, I relate like I uh, I had a customer meeting, customer lunch. I'd just been moved on to one of my biggest accounts because someone in the, in the company was moving to a different role. And uh, I had to take a phone call whilst at that lunch. And it was to make a decision to turn my, my dad's life support off. And then I went back up to lunch. And it's, it, isn't, isn't it fascinating? Like this is the first time we've met. But straight away here, we're sharing these these experiences with each other. And now I feel an even stronger connection with you. And, and this is really the whole purpose, I think, of, of why we're seeing this trend of people speaking more openly about their mental health. And something you said before the call about bringing your full authentic self to the workplace. Like the amount of times I see on LinkedIn, you know, someone shares something and then they're like, oh, this is LinkedIn, you know, it's a professional space. And I'm like, F off, like. I'm going to post what I want on my LinkedIn. And for me, bringing my mental health and my mental wellness onto this platform uh, is bringing my full authentic self. Because right now we're in this space where, like I think monster.com says 95% of people are considering moving the job right now. 
this is halting around the great resignation. Like people are moving, people want to work for not only a company, but work for someone, a manager who cares about mental health. Um, and, and so I think every leader on here right now should be considering, okay, what am I doing for mental health? What am I doing for vulnerability? Not only to attract talent, but, but to retain talent as well. That was a yeah. big I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is, I think it's so perfect because this is where at the end of the day, companies are going to do what helps drive success. And what I think companies are starting to realize is we are not machines and robots. We have technology and we can get leverage from technology, but as humans, we have feelings, we have emotions, we have bad things that happen in our life. Not every day is perfect. And so we need to find ways to support ourselves and to connect with others. You know, I, I really have this, I don't know, it's probably not my thought or an original thought, but it's like, once you find one thing in common with somebody else, a relationship can unfurl so easily. I, I live up by a ski mountain and I know a lot of people that don't talk to a lot of strangers, but you sit on a ski lift or you get in a gondola with somebody, even through COVID and you got like extra space between you now, it's so easy to build that connection to be like, oh, we both like skiing. We both like snowboarding. We're in the same place at the same time. Cool. And so I think that vulnerability is just what opens up the door for people to see more of who we really are and to connect. And so I just love hearing that. I'm curious, like, how do you balance that vulnerability as a leader and still knowing that you need to get your job done? How do you balance that or how do you find your optimal kind of spot um, to bring that, that self to the workplace? Yeah, it's, it's taken me a good few years to figure that out and I still continue to figure it out. Um, and it, it's through trial and error. You know, there's certain meetings that I've gone into and, and I've nearly introduced myself as like an alcoholic because uh, I'm so used to doing that in my 12-step program. Um, so, so number one, um, when I, when I went back to work after my rehab in 2017, I was, I just spent, you know, these, these 30 to 90 days, uh, speaking about vulnerability, speaking therapy talk. And so I learned very quickly, I can't do that in the workplace. It's way too open. It made people uncomfortable and they weren't sure like how to interact with me. And there's also jokes in recovery. Uh, in, in whatever recovery program, like that just don't translate. Like people that are in recovery uh, in general have been through so much shit that now if on the other side, for those that make it, like some of the stories that you hear are just like, oh yeah, I went through that as well. Um, I then went the other way and was like, okay, I don't speak about this. But I made the decision at the end of 2018 when we created Uncrushed to, to, to be open about it um, because keeping going back to what we said earlier on about carrying secrets, that wasn't working for me. You know, for me, my recovery and, and my life has to be about honesty and openness. And so um, I remember doing this event uh, with uh, the University of Texas in Dallas, their sales professionals course, um, Dr. Howard Dover and, and his team doing, doing an amazing job there. And um, first event I did, I presented on behalf of Salesforce. It's probably in 2016. And I got all these nice messages um, about, you know, hey, I, you know, I want to work with Salesforce, so I want to be in sales. And, you know, thank you so much. But I felt fake. It goes back to that mask, like, I, because they couldn't see what was going on. 
And so for me, one of the most rewarding things, I think it was in 2019, uh, we, we see all the years just blur now, uh, we went back and we got to do a presentation for Uncrushed uh, to, to the sales teams and, and, and to be open about wh- where we've been on our journey. Um, and so now I'm open, particularly with Soberforce, I'm open about my sobriety um, with people in the workplace, but I'm also not going to push it onto people. It's, it's this whole attraction, not promotion, uh, which is one of the principles I've learned from, from my 12-step program. Um, and so people know me where, where I am. If they want to talk to me, that's great. At the same time, like if uh, I always encourage people to find someone that you feel safe with. Um, you know, in general, for my 12 step program, I work a, a male only program, um, and, and that's what works for me. And so, you know, many times I've connected with women with other women, um, or, or whoever they, they feel comfortable with. So, the short answer is trial and error. I don't think there's one size fits all. Um, the one caveat I will say is when I came out with my story in 2018, it was out, you know, I can't put it back in the bag, and so, particularly with Uncrushed. Um, you know, one thing we, we make sure on our submissions page is, is we make it clear, you know, your story is going to be shared and it will be out there. And, um, you know, and, and the risk of discrimination is real, you know, even though companies can't admit to it, like it, I certainly think it happens and I've seen it happen. And so I would, I would just caution people, you know, like absolutely be vulnerable. I will also say like I've been working for 15 years now. So I, I believe I have a little bit more leeway to be open about it. I appreciate for you know people that are perhaps starting their journey, they may not want to be uh, completely open with it. So trial and error. And I think that's so key to life. I think so many of us are taught that, oh, there has to be a perfectly right answer for every situation. And most of us are just trying our best as we go through it. And I don't think have the tools and the resources to support ourselves uh, as effectively. So I think that I just love that answer that it's not, oh, here's exactly what you do to to make this work. You try something, you fall on your face and you do something different the next time. So I I think that's beautiful. Yeah. One thing I want to add as well is, you know, I'm a a white male um, and, you know, we we have different members of the Uncrushed team and people that have shared their stories uh, who, who are not white males. Um, and it, it's really important as well to recognize that there are, there are multiple levels of stigma associated with mental health in different communities. Uh, you know, Nikki Ivy, who just joined up their board of directors and Sean Karaguchi, who joined the board, uh, they, they've shared some of their experiences with me and, and they've put out some really powerful LinkedIn posts. And so, um, yeah, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't mention that, you know, I, I've been lucky to have access to healthcare. I also have some privilege in being able to open up about this. Uh, And I think we also have a long, long way to go, not only for um, me and my journey in in speaking about this, but also in in other sub-communities as well. I think that's a really nice point. A couple questions to wrap us up here. What do you think are some of the most common misconceptions about mental health and sales today? Uh, the first one that comes up to me is mental health equals mental illness, whereas mental health could equal mental wellness. So I think the, the terminology and the language that we use, you know, just as we talked about sobriety earlier on, um, there, there's stigma associated with that or, or even with the word recovery. 
Um, so I think really, really thinking about the, the language. Um, I think there's also another stigma, particularly with mental health and sales, like the, the mentality of like, well, if you're doing all this work on yourself, uh, then how are you going to be focused on your work and how are you going to hit your number? And maybe, God forbid, if you don't hit your number, therefore it must be because of your mental health. Uh, and I think I just want to go back to the star, which is like sales is, is one of the toughest professions out there as well as the most rewarding. And that, that's why so many people that are in the industry just uh, I'm, I'm blown away by. And so I, I would encourage, and we see this in the mental health and sales report that we did with Sales Health Alliance and Richard Harris, there's a strong correlation with when your mental health is better, that your sales performance is better. I don't think we need much more than that. And we'll definitely link off to the report for folks to check out. And it, it, it's so true. If you can have this foundation of your mental health on tools on how to support it and have a community and resources, you can show up so much better. And then you can use all the sales tactics and all the things that you learned to actually be more effective or be a better leader. Oh, man, Tim, there's so many more questions that I, I want to ask you. I'm going to rapid fire two or three at you here what does success mean to you? Yeah, I, I think it really goes back to that, uh, that mantra that you read at the beginning, you know, like what are, like Galen Gourmet does, does a great podcast, What's Your Legacy? And uh, I always talk about this Stephen Sutton quote, uh, and I won't go into the full story. You can Google Stephen Sutton just in the interest of time. But he, he talks about how he doesn't measure uh, life, I think I have it in the world. I don't, I don't see point in uh, measuring life in time anymore. I, I measure it in terms of, of making a difference, making an impact. And um, yeah, that's why my mantra, live life, give back, change lives. And being completely honest, when I joined Salesforce prior to losing my dad, that was not my mantra. You know, I was like, oh, philanthropy, volunteering, fundraising, that's nice. Now it's, it's everything for me because the reason that I'm alive today and that I have a job and have a life is because people shared their stories with me. Uh, and, and so I just, I feel a responsibility to, to carry that on and pass it on so freely. Wow. Well, Tim Clark, thank you so much. I, I think there's hours we could dive into further here, but I think that is just such a, a perfect spot to leave us at and really help folks think about, you know, how can they share their stories? How can they build community? I know we can definitely find you heading to uncrushed.org. Where else can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. Clark is spelled the British way with an E. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the British way, but it's certainly minus the E in America. Uh, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, I, I, that's that's probably the easiest way to to interact with me and uh, you know, I, I try and link out to some of the great stuff that we've been doing at Uncrushed. Um, and also, I should have said at the beginning, I'm sorry, I just remember now, like, massive shout out to the whole community of people that have, have shared their stories in Uncrushed and everyone that volunteers with Uncrushed. Like, this, one thing I never wanted to do was make it about me. The Uncrushed is not me. I'm not the face of it. I'm, I'm just speaking on behalf of it today. Uh, it, it's very much to, to, to all the people. So in terms of connection, go on Uncrushed. Go find someone that you relate to and go connect with them on LinkedIn. That's beautiful. Well, normally I would say, let's go crush it. But in this case, let's go <laughs> uncrush it. Thanks again, let's go Tim. Crush it. Yeah, thank you.
It's thanks to help from listeners like you, this podcast can continue to grow and help others. If you found anything helpful in today's episode, please take a second, share with a friend, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast today. Thanks. Thanks.